Hey, TK Show sponsored by South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, Northern California's number one volume dealer. Check them out at SouthCountyChryslerJeepDodge.net or drive a little and save a lot at Friendly Gilroy. from the San Jose Mercury News, the Bay Area News Group, it's the TK Show. Now here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here at TK Show with a little hole in the Warriors' schedule because I have been writing a few things about the Warriors. We'll continue to, but figured this would be a good time to get some other show down on another fairly interesting team in the Bay Area. Uh, doing some things. Uh, has OTAs coming up, I believe, next week. So why not get on my good friend, the 49ers beat writer of the Sacramento Bee, Man About Town. I, you, you, I don't even know what, how many different digital platforms you're on now. Matt Barros on the show. Matt, how you doing? Is, it, is this a busy time for the 49ers or kind of quiet right now? Yeah, we've had a, uh, a two-week period uh, where there's really not much happening, and then, um, as you said, they start their OTAs next week, so we'll have at least one day, I think, to to watch practice, which will be basically the first practice with, you know, the full unit, the rookies and the, uh, the veterans uh, all together. It's not mandatory, but... I imagine uh, they would have at least uh, 90, 95 percent of their guys for that session. Yeah, if, if you see a veteran skipping out on Kyle Shanahan's first OTAs, I think that would be a sign of uh, <laughs> some other things going on, maybe. Right, right. That would be a v- bad career move, I think, uh, just given all the guys who uh, already have uh, departed uh, have not been uh, kept on. So, uh, I, yeah, I think that's one of the major messages that Shanahan and Lynch are uh, are sending. There are no sacred cows on this roster. Any anybody is expendable. We've certainly heard, you know, Vance McDonald. They're possibly looking at a trade and and other possible veterans that they might be moving on from. Do, are are there people that you've circled to say there's some guys who might be pretty familiar names, 49ers, who are in jeopardy of losing their jobs, the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, just about anybody. They're not going to fire Joe Staley, and uh, I don't think that they're going to move Navarro Bowman, although um, I I, I totally believe that he was discussed, at least. uh, Just about everybody is. Um, But, uh, you know, one name that that pops up, it wouldn't be a shock, um, Aaron Lynch um, was probably their best pass rusher these last two years, but... Uh, he hasn't really been able to show it. I mean, he was uh, suspended for the first four games of last year. He was admittedly overweight. He got up to 300 pounds. This is a guy who should be, you know, in the 265, 270 range. Um, so, you know, that, that's sort of the uh, the attitude that Shanahan and Lynch aren't going to tolerate. Um, if, if you're not willing to, you know, give everything to your team, to this team, um, you know, we're starting from scratch. Uh, you don't need to be here. And so... Uh, that's a that's a loaded position too. The defensive line, uh, obviously, they've been drafting at that position. You know, that was the big argument against drafting Solomon Thomas. Uh, you, you you used your first round picks on Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner the last year. Why use another first rounder on Solomon Thomas? Not only did they draft Solomon Thomas, they drafted two other mm-hmm. defensive linemen as well: a uh, a nose tackle, uh, DJ Jones, and then. Uh, this guy from uh, Utah who could be their their pass rusher, Pita 
Tue Moa Pena. There you uh, go. That's how yeah. I'll pr- pr- pronounce it. I'm going to do it slowly. But uh, So they ended up drafting three guys. So my point being, they've got a lot of bodies there and a lot of uh, bodies to sort out. So do you expect, we always talk about that elephant or that, you know, that, that rush position from the weak side. Who lines up there, you think, first unit, first snap? Is it Errol Lynch, or are there other people they are going to be mixing in there? Yeah, it's uh, that's the one position that, um, you know, it, w- it was a weakness going into the draft, and they really didn't uh, address it until uh, they took the, the Utah kid in the sixth round. So, um, you know, they're experimenting with Eric Armstead there. I mm-hmm. mean, he could be the guy who lines up there. That would be uh, – to me, that's very interesting because Armstead is not the – prototypical size obviously for that spot you know the guys who have been there and who have done well in seattle are you know six two, two fifty five, 255 um very athletic uh armstead obviously is uh is six seven two ninety five. but he does have you know movement skills and um he was a hard guy to block uh in that you know his uh his pinnacle moment seems to be one week of training camp when he was healthy before he hurt his shoulder last year. But in that one week, he was the best player on that team. Uh, and uh, everybody will say the same thing about that. So uh, it, it could be a genius move to, to move Eric Armstead, a guy you, you don't expect to be a sort of a primary pass rusher type, to that position. And, and he may be a handful for left tackles in the league. Uh, it's something that the 49ers are at least curious about. So where would you say Buckner and Thomas line up then? Is it, I mean, the same spot that left defensive end? Or, or, or can you fit all those guys in the starting line? You know, 4-3 yeah, Seattle for, for, thing? I, I think you could in the starting lineup from, from left to right. It would go Solomon Thomas, uh, Earl Mitchell at that nose tackle spot, then Buckner at defensive tackle, and then Armstead at, at end. Uh, and then in uh, passing situations, you would bring in, you would probably move uh, uh, Thomas to defensive tackle. So your two inside rushers in nickel would be Thomas and Buckner. Armstead would be one of your your ends. And then, you know, is it Aaron Lynch? Is it, uh, you know, uh, Ronald Blair? Uh, is it Tank Carradine? Uh, you can mix oh, the immortal, the immortal Tank Carradine. I think he's going to be on the yeah, team for, <laughs> for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't hear his name uh, often, but uh, you know, not, uh, in this OTA, uh, Solomon Thomas is not going to be able to participate because he's, he's uh, you know, restricted by those rules mm-hmm. that Stanford's uh, class hasn't graduated, and so he can't take part until that occurs. So it's going to be Tank Carradine, probably in that left defensive end spot that uh, is earmarked for Solomon Thomas. Who else are you looking forward to seeing, just seeing on the field, whether, you know, we, you've seen the rookies in that minicamp already, but in, in the mix of rookies and veterans, and we know this roster is certainly got open spots all over the place, who's somebody you're looking to see? How, how is he going to fit with everyone else? Yeah, uh, Carlos Hyde, I think, is going to be very interesting. Um, you know, these last two years, this is a you know a big fault of Trent Baalke's. He drafted Hyde second overall, then uh, allowed Frank Gore to leave, and basically handed the keys to the kingdom over to Hyde, and, and he hasn't um, seized the day. And there hasn't been anybody to push him. I mean, it's been you know you don't think Mike, you don't think Mike Davis and his 0.2 <laughs> yards per carry was pushing him somebody. Yeah, Mike Mike Davis who had a flaming hot Cheetos fetish uh, one of his <laughs> one of his years and and almost became the first uh, tailback in modern history to average less than a yard per carry. Um, so there wasn't anybody behind Carlos Hyde to push Hyde. Um, and uh, this year that's different. I mean, they brought in Tim Hightower. 
they traded for this guy, Capri Bibbs, from, from Denver, and then they used a, uh, a fourth-round pick on Joe Williams. So I think that dynamic, how those uh, those running backs fit into the mix, can, can Williams be expected to really push – Hyde, uh, you know, in year one as a rookie, and and how does Hyde uh, fit in with a, a Kyle Shanahan offense that really likes a lot of outside zone runs? I personally think that he's he's a good fit. Um, you know, he's a twenty two hundred twenty five guy a pound guy that can move and who can cut, and uh, that's rare. And I I think that he will flourish in the system and and probably will flourish better because he is being pushed because he can't. Uh, rest on his laurels and, and needs to really be, uh, you know, pushing things all the time. But uh, it, it's a question um, that the Shanahan's, Mike, and then Kyle have gotten great mileage out of guys who have been picked late in the draft. Uh, Alfred Morris, uh, Demonte Freeman. So it, it could be another case where a uh, more marquee guy like Carlos Hyde is uh, pushed out by uh, a less heralded uh, running back. You think? You're going to see anything interesting? Just say in this OTAs and then going into the mini camp coming up in June. Obviously, that leads up to this little dead weeks, but then start a training camp. Is the quarterback position going to lead to any intrigue, or is it just Hoyer? Roll out the ball, and he's Hoyer. We know who he is. Uh, any possibility for surprises or anything you're looking forward to out of that position? C.J. Beathard, is he somebody that could pop off the page a little bit? Yeah, he could. I mean, he's going to get a lot of work in the preseason, that's for sure. Um, I can definitely see one of these scenarios where it seems like it's a different guy every year. Uh, you know, Marcus Rush was last year. There's, there's some guy in the preseason that you don't know about who has a great preseason, and then fans obsess over that guy for the rest of the year. And, and C.J. Beathard is going to, you know, he's going to get uh, a lot of snaps in the preseason, and uh, it, it's going to be coming against guys who probably aren't going to make an NFL roster. So you always have to keep that in the back of your mind. You know, my my take on C.J. Beathard is that, you know, they think that he's a possible Kirk Cousins. Um, and, and everybody uh, hears that and, and thinks, okay, well, they think that C.J. Beathard is a starter. Well, Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round pick in 2012 who didn't become a full-time starter in 2015. So that was four seasons. Um, so my point being... I think C.J. Beathard has potential, um, but I don't think he's going to be the guy who's in a starting position this year or even next year, uh, and, and possibly you know not even in, in year three. He's somebody who could possibly uh, you know evolve into a starter just as Kirk Cousins has. Are you calling him the the next Nate Davis? Is that what you're calling him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling him the uh, the opposite of Nate Davis. I, I think uh, you know there's not a lot of flash there. I mean, he doesn't have a spectacular arm. He's a he's Kirk Cousins basically, uh, and and that's been the the big uh, reluctance in Washington to you know give Kirk Cousins a huge deal. He's they don't think that he's all that special. Um, they think that he's very good. And he's done a lot, um, but uh, I, I'm not sure that they feel like he's a, uh, a top five, uh, top ten quarterback in this league who deserves to be paid like a top three guy. Which might differ from the current head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I've certainly felt that that's who they've wanted all along. We, you know, obviously there's the contractual situation with, with Washington, but from what you've heard, from what you've observed. Do you think that this is it? That's the plan for Niners are going after Kirk Cousins. They probably try to get him this offseason, couldn't do it, and are going to basically sell out for him if they can to get him next next offseason? Yeah, I mean, every every um, a piece of available evidence suggests that. Uh, the 49ers are still going to have tons and tons of salary cap space next year. 
they didn't use a uh, a high pick on a quarterback this year. Um, you know, they waited until the very end of the third round. Um, so uh, all all evidence suggests that they're going to make a play for uh, for Cousins or for Jimmy Garoppolo if if either one of those guys is available. And then I think the plan B is uh, if if they're not available, if if Washington does do a deal with Cousins. Um, then, uh, you know, they've got an extra third and an extra second round pick. They've got ammunition to be able to maneuver around in the first round if, uh, you know, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen uh, really blows Kyle Shanahan's hair back. And then you've got, you know, you've got Barkley, you've got Hoyer, and now you've got C.J. Beathard in the mix as well. So I I think that they feel like they've got some options. Um, I don't think that they feel as if, you know, they're, they're, they're set at that position by any means. Um, but uh, now they have the wherewithal to go out and get the guy that they really want. I mean, I think that if they got Cousins, then you can forget about you know trading up to get Darnold at uh, at number one. Um, then then I think the the uh, modus operandi is to surround Cousins with the, the you know the, the best receivers, the best blockers that you can get. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think that uh, to me they went about it the right way. They didn't, you know, this this idea this this past year that they would, uh, you know, trade for Cousins. So give away draft picks plus have to pay him all of that money, which to me seemed silly when you could just get away with only doing half of that, the uh, the money half of it, if he became a free agent. This is why I also didn't really buy. I mean, who knows if Chicago bought it? But the Forty Niners were ever really looking at Trubisky because. You draft Trubisky too. You're not getting Cousins, and I just don't think Kirk, uh, Kyle Shanahan can move off of that right now. Maybe in a year, but I think the whole thing is that he wants Kirk Cousins, and there was nobody on this draft board that made him think, okay, forget about Kirk Cousins. And I, I'm sure as hell didn't think it was Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, did you read it the same way that it w- there's never going to be Trubisky just because that would have blocked the idea of getting Kirk Cousins? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Trubisky is a risk. He's a guy that started 13 games. I forget what percentage of his snaps came out of the shotgun. I think it's like something like yep. 98%. Yep. So um, if you're a guy, uh, Kyle Shanahan, that, that, you know, wants to see his uh, his prospects operate in a pro-style system, yeah, you could start to see some signs that Trubisky could do it. He moved around well. He kept his, you know, his eyes down the field. He was accurate. All those things, but he, he really didn't operate out of a pro-style system. He didn't uh, take uh, snaps from under center, and he only played in 13 games. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a hard thing to do, to take a guy at number two uh, when, when, you know, it's really not exactly the type of guy that you're looking for. How about giving up a couple extra picks for him to move one, up one slot? That probably was really wise, huh? Yeah, uh, you know, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it, it, I, I think that move shocked a lot of people, uh, certainly in Chicago. So, uh, you know, time will tell whether it was a brilliant move or something that kills somebody's career. All right, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Drive and discover at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Dodge Journey third row seat seven passenger for fourteen nine seventy seven. Twenty seventeen Pacifica family vehicle for only twenty nine seventy seven. Dodge Durango for twenty five nine seventy seven. Twenty seventeen Dodge Charger just twenty seven seventy seven. Jeep Cherokee Sport fifteen seventy seven. Drive and discover at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Drive a little, save a lot in Gilroy. 
you know, we know John Lynch kind of has been very open to the media, which I give him full credit for from, from the time he was hired. Shanahan, maybe, you know, he's a coach, so he's not really going out and, and glad-heading people. Has it remained that way? Where has Lynch been super available throughout this? And, and what's kind of been the access and the, and the mood from Shanahan, at least just from the early going, the rookie camp, or what all the other things that they've kind of done here and there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they complement each other really well. Uh, and we and we saw that during the draft, just you know, when they're up there on the podium, um, you know, they're they they work well together, and and that was the 49ers' number one goal. Um, you know, obviously we're going to have to see whether the product on the field follows that, but there doesn't seem to be any. You know, uh, John Lynch, uh, you know, did most of the talking during the draft, and he did most of the drafting. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem to have any any issues with that. He was comfortable. Uh, with with Lynch doing all that, and you and I have discussed this uh, on Twitter, but you know there, there's no insecurity there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they both seem very comfortable in their own skin, um, and uh, you know obviously having six years de- six year deals probably helps that. Um, but uh, you know just the, uh, the the meshing of egos seems to be very good between the two of them, and. Um, you know, as far as access, uh, you know, I think it's going to be good. Um, you know, it's been a little bit sporadic in the off season, like things always are. You know, John Lynch is still uh, has his family in, in San Diego, so he goes down there quite a bit as well. So um, I, I think we'll we'll really find out when we get into the you know the, the season in earnest. Um, how that all is going to be handled and how it'll go. Certainly Trent Baalke had put together, you know, he'd been there for seven years, I think he was the general manager or or acting one of those years, the acting general manager. Uh, His guys were in place. Uh, I've reported, I mean, they've taken Mike Williams and and Quintus Cumbie off the the directory, the pro personnel guys, so I assume my report is correct that they're no longer with the team. Uh, Do you sense a different you know, I don't know. There, there, are there people they're going to move in? Are they going to rebuild the staff? Do they have? Do they have to rebuild the staff? To a John Lynch staff or Martin Mayhew staff? What do you feel about just kind of the scouting and the pro personnel guys? Just the, just kind of the infrastructure of this place. Yeah, I mean they they had already moved on from Matt Malaspina even mm-hmm. yep. even in the run up to the draft. So and and he was Balky's right hand man. Um, Again, um, just going back to, to Lynch's personality, uh, you know, he, he's not a obviously he doesn't have any background in the in the uh, uh, as a general manager, so he doesn't have his guys uh, already aligned. He doesn't have guys that you know are, who are loyal to him or who he's aligned with. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if he held on to a big portion of, of Trent Baalke's staff. Again, it's not an, an ego thing with him where where he feels like he's just got to move out. Uh, the old the, the old guys uh, just out of out of habit. Um, uh, so I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me either way. Uh, and uh, I, I know that there are a couple of guys that they're moving on from, but uh, I, my my anticipation is that he's going to keep a few guys as well. You, you've been able to talk to Mayhew at all? I mean, somebody that Lynch talks about certainly has been a general manager. I have not been around. I don't know much about him. What what do you think Mayhew's influence is right now? I have not. I, I tried to uh, talk to uh, Martin Mayhew for a story um, about C.J. Beathard because uh, I believe it was uh, Beathard's grandfather, Bobby Beathard, when he was in Washington, the GM of, uh, of the Redskins, who, who drafted Martin Mayhew. Mm. And so there was some, uh, <laughs> some back and forth between the 49ers front office and Bobby Beathard in the run-up to the draft. 
Um, and, and Beathard, I think, is uh, suffering from a, a bit of dementia, and mm-hmm. he couldn't remember who it was, but it probably was Mayhew, mm-hmm. given that they have a relationship. So I, I, I thought that that was an interesting angle, and so I asked to talk to uh, Martin Mayhew. was told that Martin Mayhew is not doing any interviews, so mm-hmm. we, we still have a little bit of balkyism <laughs> in, in the building uh, a bit. Oh, um, good. Oh, I, good. I hope yeah, he sits right. behind me during games and, and growls yeah, at me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know if he'll be uh, Martin Mayhew, Mayhew will be be thumping his fist quite as uh, violently as uh, Trent Balky was wont to do, but um, I, I'm not exactly sure what uh, Martin Mayhew's uh, you know issue is with uh, with the media. It may be that he didn't want to uh, override um, uh, John Lynch or anybody else in the organization, but. Uh, that's that's why uh, I've been unable to talk to Martin Mayhew at this point. Any is he going to is he based in Santa Clara or is he is he going to be based in Detroit? You know, live in Detroit. Any idea about that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. My my assumption is that he would be based in Santa Clara. Um, he obviously, you know, given all the reports, everything that Lynch said, um, you know, during and after the draft, he was a big part of uh, of a lot of these picks. So you know, Lynch is is very much leaning on him, and very much leaning on Adam Peters, like he said he would. And um, you know, that's uh, that's great. I mean, uh, those two guys have a lot of experience. Lynch doesn't. Again, just going back to this theme, uh, I think that's a great sign for this team. Yep. Um, you know, just not having uh, a big ego at that spot, uh, and and having someone who is confident and, and confident in his own skin, um, and isn't defensive. <laughs> I'm basically describing <laughs> the, uh, the the last guy who was there, but uh, Lynch the, seems to the, be his, the opposite, his opposite. Yeah, the opposite of the last in, guy in so many ways, right? Uh, what do you make of Peter King giving large credit to Pragmarate and and Lynch himself? I think he kind of backtracked a little bit from saying that he executed the the, the Trubisky the, the the flip of picks with Chicago. But what's you know I I've, you know I know people associate me with attacking Marate, but I think I'm saying he he is a great at what he does. The salary cap he's been over kind of emphasized. By some, he's been underemphasized by others. He kind of is what he is. Do you see the possibility of Parag having a major role beside John Lynch, or do you think it might just be the same as it's been for for many years? Yeah, I think it's just two different people describing what's been going on. You remember, uh, Trent Baalke took great pride in you know his ability to maneuver throughout the draft and to add extra picks and to you know trade in this round and trade back in that round and. He uh, he gained the monitor moniker Trader Trent, mm-hmm. uh, which I think that he was he was quite proud of. Well, you know, the guy actually doing those trades was was Pragmarate. I mean, Bulky is the one, obviously, in Lynch this year is the one who, who is giving the the green light to to do it. But uh, it's Prague who's on the phone, who's kind of calculating what the compensation is. Think, you know, uh, again, things that he's good at. Uh, and I, I think that's been happening all along. Uh, it's just that Lynch was more forthright with, with you know, crediting him than, than Trent Baalke may have been uh, in the past. Goes back to the comfortable in his own skin thing, which I think is great. I think it's great for everybody, where everyone feels a part of it. He kind of corrals everybody in, uh, and nobody feels like uh, they're competing with each other or you know competing for attention. But geez, let's, enough about Trent Baalke. Uh, we got to talk about Kaepernick, obviously. Uh, Seattle now may have interest. We'll see the extent of that. Have you been surprised that it's taken this long, or or 
did you say, okay, the guy protests the national anthem, whether it's for principle or for not, he's going to have some trouble getting a job in the NFL? Yeah, um, not surprised and, uh, you know, disappointed. Uh, I would have liked to have been surprised by a team that uh, would have seen, you know, what a lot of people see in his protest, that uh, he's taking a stance, uh, a risky stance for, for people who are underrepresented. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the NFL. It's a very conservative league. Most of the, the owners in this league not only are conservative, <laughs> a lot of them are, are major, major mm-hmm. Republican donors, um, including on a lot of the teams that we're looking at quarterbacks yep. this offseason. Uh, that's the New York Jets. That's the Houston Texans. Cleveland the Browns. Denver Broncos. Uh, John Elway wrote, yeah. a, wrote a letter to Congress in support of Neil Gorsuch's, uh, you know, uh, Supreme Court nomination, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the men who are, are heading these uh, organizations mostly are arch Republicans. And, you know, those are the types of people that really had a problem with what Colin Kaepernick was doing. Uh, the more progressive owners are in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Jed York is one of them. Uh, I think um, the guy in Miami is. Yep, but Steve. then... Kaepernick, uh, you know, probably tanked his market in Miami by what he said about Fidel Castro when yep. uh, the 49ers played there. So, to me, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of talk about blackballing, and I, I'm absolutely certain that politics are playing is playing a large role in Kaepernick being jobless um, in a lot of cities. Uh, other cities, I would, uh, you know, I, I would think that Kaepernick didn't do a great job um, you know, as far as uh, keeping his market as robust as it, as it possibly could have been. In, in the end, I think it's a, a mixture of, of different things with politics being a, a, a major part of that mix. Yeah, he's, there's been some missteps by Kaepernick, there's no question, including signing that contract with 49ers way back when, in the first place, by the way, uh, which gave the 49ers the right to release him every single year uh, and basically be out of that contract. We, we can go back on that one. Do you think Kaepernick's a, a good quarterback? I mean, is he worth, is he one of the, you know, would he be one of the top backups in the NFL right now if, if he signed with somebody, if he signed with Seattle tomorrow? Yeah, I think he would be the, the top backup in the league t- tomorrow. I mean, I, I can definitely see a scenario where he joins Seattle, um, Russell Wilson gets hurt, and, and Colin Kaepernick uh, does a good job. And, you know, that, that, that's a playoff team. And uh, I think it's a playoff team whether Russell Wilson is the quarterback or Colin Kaepernick is the quarterback. I don't think that, they're, they, that they play the exact same offense. I mean, the thing that would make me nervous is that Russell Wilson is able to survive behind the, the league's most rickety offensive line because he's so quick, rabbit-like quickness, uh, and he's able to wriggle free of trouble and make big plays downfield. Kaepernick makes plays with his legs, but it's, it's different. Uh, he, he needs a, a head of steam. Um, he's not as, as nimble, not as good at uh, kind of creating room when there's only a little bit of room in which to create it. Uh, so uh, I, I think that they, they would have to change their their offense a little bit, but you know that's that's the team that I think that he could survive with uh, and flourish with. Maybe Carolina would be another one, just because it's it's got a similar offense. Um, you know, but there are other teams where I, I don't think he would do as well, just because the offense isn't um, uh, as situated to his strengths as as uh, some other ones are, but. Um, yeah, I think Seattle is a, uh, a really good fit for a lot of different reasons. To me, it's the question of does he want to go to Seattle where he would be a decided backup 
to Russell Wilson, or does he want to gamble and uh, you know wait and, and see if there's a, an injury to you know a Teddy Bridgewater type of injury where he would have a shot, a really good shot at being the starter. Uh, Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt, uh, so uh, history seems to suggest that he wouldn't get his chance to be a starter. And I think it's clear, you know, looking at that Peter King story about. Uh, where, where he uh, interviewed uh, Kaepernick's trainer in New York City, uh, Kaepernick wants to be a starter. He very much wants to be a starter. So uh, if you go to Seattle, eh, you, you gotta you gotta wait until yep. Russell Wilson gets injured, and the guy just doesn't get injured that often. Yep. Uh, the one thing with Seattle I always connected him to is that 130 yards rushing in the January 2014 title game, uh, NFC title game. You know, he threw those two interceptions late, but there aren't many people who run for 130 yards against Seattle ever, especially against that Seattle defense, and nobody as a quarterback runs for those kind of yards. Uh, I just think Seattle underlined that, remembers that, knows he's not. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's not He's not 40 years old. He's still, was he 29 now? And, he's 29, yeah, yeah. And that's the stuff that teams remember, and I think that's the stuff that Pete Carroll remembers. We'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. But uh, do, do you expect him on a roster going to training camp? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's if it's not Seattle, it's no one. I mean, I mean that that's the only team that's really kind of sniffing around. I think his agents will maybe try to use this to to see if there's anything else out there for him. But um, to me, it's go to Seattle and be the backup, or like I said, gamble and uh, hope that uh, that there's uh, an injury that uh, you know precipitates a team looking for a starting quarterback. And he's he's the best one available. Uh, it's him or Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. RG3. And, uh, it's, those are the names. RG, uh, that's yeah. right. RG3 is still yeah. out there. Although, I, I have to say, in, in making a lot of calls the last few days, I think that you know, RG3 is, has been mentioned just because the way the question was framed mm-hmm. to Pete Carroll on that radio station. Okay. I think he just answered it you know, thinking much more of Colin Kaepernick than RG3. I don't think RG3 is a legitimate... Um, you know, somebody that they're legitimately thinking about in Seattle, I think uh, Colin Kaepernick is. All right, Matt Burroughs, I asked you already about your favorite restaurant, so I'm going to ask you another question. For the, for the learned, intellectual Matt Barrow's side, which we all know and love, uh, Matt Barrow, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, wow. It's a book that I've read, I read probably every two years, and Every time I read it, uh, you know, you're supposed to read your favorite book at different points in your life, but every time I read it, it, it blows my hair back. I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, figure, to me, fig, the most evocative. Figure, figuratively, I would imagine, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's not much to blow back anymore, but uh, the, the hair that is on the top of my head uh, stands up straight when I read that. So I, I, like, uh, I like him. I like that, uh, that genre. Uh, they call it a lot of different things, but uh, Southern Gothic is, yep. is one of those. Um, it's dark. Yeah. It's dark. That's for sure. It's dark. It's real. It's about uh, it's about people who are on the wrong side of uh, life, the wrong side of the tracks, as it were. But uh, it's uh, it, it smacks of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I guess why I like it the most. And well, that, every sentence by McCarthy is something like I just. I, it's hard for me. I I hate to say it. I can't really get through his books because they're pretty complicated and they're, they're pretty involved and dense but every sentence is like a work of art you can just tell he's works on every word there is no wasted you know babble that's for sure it, it is pure 
English great verbiage. So, just like Matt, he doesn't Bar- use commas. Yeah, <laughs> just like Matt Barrows, the, the Matt Barrows. That's right. You're right. right. McCarthy-esque. I've always thought. It- if I wrote like McCarthy, my stories would be a lot more violent. I think the B would have to put a uh, you know a, a a parental advisory on on some of it. Well, you, you get over once or twice. I think you could work it in there, but uh, perhaps not from recent Forty Nine er football games. So, all right, Matt. Listen, I really appreciate having you show uh, having you on. I'm glad we could get this Forty Nine er conversation in there before the Warriors really ramp up again. Uh, and we'll obviously be looking forward to your stuff from OTAs and for all Forty Nine er conversation from minicamp. And etc. into the training camp. Matt, always great to have you on. Thanks. Thanks a lot. TK, thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. All right, you got it. Everybody, that's the TK Show. A little special 49ers chat edition of the TK Show. I don't know when we're going to have another show. Paul, I don't like it. Our schedules are getting a little complicated here with the Warriors. But we will have a show at some point in the future. That's Matt Barrows. That's Tim Kalakama here. See you for now. Discover at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Dodge Journey third row seat seven passenger for fourteen nine seventy seven. Twenty seventeen Pacifica family vehicle for only twenty nine seventy seven. Dodge Durango for twenty five nine seventy seven. Twenty seventeen Dodge Charger just twenty seven seventy seven. Jeep Cherokee Sport fifteen seventy seven. Drive and discover at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Drive a little, save a lot in Gilroy.